Listener Production. Welcome to Real Crime. I'm Adam Shand. Some stories, like this one, turn up when I'm not even looking. I was in my favourite antique store in South Melbourne, talking to Steve, the proprietor, when a woman I only knew from Facebook approached me. I said, Steve, this man needs to hear my story. You were standing right there and I seen your hat and I knew it was you instantly. Steve knows the story and he's seen me evolve into what I am today. Kelly Carter-Bell is a product of Melbourne's underworld. She grew up around the city's most dangerous crooks, the real people behind the iconic Australian film Animal Kingdom. She married into this criminal milieu and endured decades of harrowing abuse. There was a husband who would ultimately try to kill her. There's a fine scar on her cheek from a blade. It runs from her right ear to the edge of her lip. She raised his four kids, shadow mouth, and that's what she got. At 52, Kelly has broken free of all that and she's intent on resolving the past. There's one big outstanding issue. What happened to her own father, who it turns out was a policeman? A warning. There are descriptions of graphic violence in this story and it may not be suitable for younger listeners. But there is a happy ending. Tell me, your father, who was he? So my dad was a policeman, actually, believe it or not. It's probably going to be a bit hard to believe when you hear my story. My sister's dad was a criminal and he came to arrest my sister's dad. And when he went to jail, my mum and him decided to have an affair. What? And, yeah, <laughs> start seeing the policeman while her partner went to jail. My mum was a pretty good looker, like her daughter, and, yeah, they fell in love. My mum idolised the ground this man walked on and never got over him leaving at all. And why didn't they stay together? I think, well, mum was underworld and dad was a copper. Kelly was born Kelly Sue Bolden in Melbourne in September 1968. Her mother, Heather Lorraine Bolden, left blank the space for the father on her daughter's birth certificate. I thought my dad left because he didn't love me. And so for the next 28 years, I thought I was unlovable. Hence, that's why I was, I let myself be treated the way I was treated. Just someone that I haven't seen since I was eight years old. And probably that is a big part of my story. Do you know why he left you? Because he had a wife and two children and he had a nervous breakdown. And I am led to believe that when he had the nervous breakdown, he worked at Russell Street Police Station and his wife had to go in and clean out his locker and things and then found his other life in the locker, as in photos of mum and me and my sisters and things like that. Mum passed away a couple of years ago And I just sort of keep thinking, you know, why hasn't he found me? But I've been many different people and many different names in my life. So, yeah, I think I've had about 
five or six names in my life and I sort of put it down to I don't think he'd be able to find me but just right now while I'm talking to you maybe it's a bit of um do I deserve him to find me you know why not um I don't know, like just the self-worth, I suppose. Yeah, so I'm saying I've broken the cycle, but there's still a lot of work to do. Still that unresolved question right at the beginning. Yes. Should we find him? Oh, I'd love to. I would absolutely love to. Mum filled me in on brothers and sisters of his and some of his family members. And, like, yeah, as I'm sitting here, it comes down to self-worth, unfortunately, Adam which is a little bit sad, isn't it? Um, well, that's everyone's yeah, issue. Yeah, we've all, We're all wondering yeah. about our self-worth, but, yeah. but yours has been a much more... Challenging Challenging <laughs> examination, if you like. Exactly, you know? yeah. Do you Thank want me to help you. you with this? Yeah, I'd love you to. I'd really love you to. I think if he did know me and my five children, he would be over the moon because we have had a, a very hard path and to come out the other side of it and um, have the courage to speak and what I do... I do it for other people. I do it for other women and children to know once again that you can get out safe and there's people that do love you and there's people that are willing to help you. I mean, what do you know about him? I know that his name's I know that he was in the communications area at Victoria Police in Russell Street. I know he was ducks of his class and I know he was a very clever man. I know that he had a wife and two children. I know that he grew up in Burwood and his mum and dad lived in Burwood for a lot longer. I tend to have the story in my head that he kissed me goodnight and tucked me in one night and I haven't seen him since but I have some lovely photos of him and I and I you know my oldest son is just a spit out of his mouth he looks so much like him I know that I have his brains <laughs> I think I have mum's strength I've lost three sisters to heroin so my mum lost three daughters and stayed on the earth for the next 29 years um, for me. Kelly's father was a presence in her life until 1976, when all contact abruptly ceased. Any chance of a peaceful, stable childhood disappeared with her father. Her mother's violent partner, Snooky, returned from jail. I can remember when the dinner was dished up, if the peas were next to the beans, whoosha, there went the dinner you know, thrown up to the roof. And, yeah, that's that's what domestic violence is about. I can remember mum, him bashing mum, my sister's father. My father never shown us anything like that. It was always, um, you know, he cooked us dinner, for instance. My sisters really respected him because there was some normality in the home, although I call normal a cycle on the washing machine. So there was um, Kerry, Sissy and Tammy. They would have been on drugs from me being as young as probably 10 years old. I've seen them all be beaten. Sissy was married to um, the notorious Dennis Allen. Pettingill. Yes, yes. fame or infamy. Sissy was born as Heather Hill, but went by her nickname, Sissy. Tammy was with a man called Rocky, who was a career criminal. And domestic violence was what I grew up with. It was what I seen. Um, It was just so normal. 
Yeah, mum had suffered domestic violence from early doors and once again it was the norm back then, I'm led to believe. And it was just so up and down, you know. It was from one day to the next, who knew what was going to happen. I can remember coming home from school. I went to 10 primary schools, believe it or not, when I was about eight years old and mum was literally washing money in a washing machine because the the gangsters or the big heavies had just done a bank robbery and they'd put the dye bomb in the bag. And, yeah, that's that's what I grew up with. Oh, good yep. And what was she like? <sighs> she did what she could do the best she could do it. But she'd come from an underworld background? Um, not really underworld, more, you know, born in Camp Hill, grew up in the Camp Hill, the Commission kind of area... Camp Pell was the lowest address in Melbourne back then, a squalid village of iron huts left by US forces who were stationed here in the Second World War. Probably, once again, not much self-worth, not much um, pride in herself. She always blamed herself for my sisters being heroin addicts, but then I say, well, why wasn't I? Yeah, why weren't you? Why didn't... I'm not sure. I just... I have a bigger purpose in life, which I'm beginning to understand and take on board every day. Let's look at some of the detail, though. I mean, you went on heroin from a young age, but you were... Your sexual awakening was a rude one. What happened? Um, So I was that girl. I grew up in the Carlton Flats. My three sisters were heroin addicts and... They were sort of just a joke. They weren't treated as humans. They were just junkies. And I was the girl with no big brothers, no father, looking for love. So through the ages of 12 to 13, I was gang raped every weekend. And I just thought it was normal. I thought that that was love. The same people? Yes, And most of them are either dead drug addicts or no-hopers, which brings a smile on my dial because look at me. At 13, she began dating the brother of a famous Melbourne footballer. He was 17. And I had my first black eye at 13. I thought a black eye was full of love. I thought he loved me, but when I look back now, my goodness, I spent three years looking at the ground because if I looked up, I was looking at someone and bang, you get a punch in the eye for that. He's seen his father do that to his mother, but as we know, that's no excuse. Yeah, and I think I loved him in some kind of weird, stupid way. So how did you get away from Peter? I just think, um, yeah, coming home from school with two black eyes one day, Mum was drinking then quite badly. She had the three daughters on heroin. I think that's how she dealt with it. And I went to stay at my auntie's, who was sort of the three meals a day, you know, not the commission house, um, auntie and uncle, my cousin, and sort of realised that that isn't how life has to be and you can have it different, but uh, my decisions still for the next uh, probably 20 years. Who was next? Um, so next, uh, just say Mark Moran um, really took me under his wing. Part of the Moran clan who yes. got slaughtered by Carl Williams in the gangland war. Yes. And yes. he was like a prince of Melbourne. He was one of those guys that was right at the top level, had corrupt police contacts, had the, the old school family going back generations yes. in the underworld. He was royalty in this town. Yes, he was. He was a very good-looking man too, I might say. But he once again showed me a little bit of maybe how life could 
be. I'm not saying that his life was great in the end and that's how you live, but just um, that I don't deserve to be treated the way I was being treated sort of got me away from the Carlton boys as well. But he didn't use and abuse me, whereas a lot of other boys, men did. And that, that really hurts to say, but that wasn't my fault. That was not my fault. As a teenager, Kelly's sisters were influential over her. Sissy was then with one of Australia's biggest heroin dealers, Dennis Allen. Allen was violent and paranoid. He murdered up to 10 people but never faced justice, courtesy of his services to Victoria as a police informer. Sissy was married to Dennis Allen in Pentridge. I would have been about 16. And I like, I can remember um, when we were living in the flats, I was probably about 14 and I could, um, I woke up to hear my sister Tammy downstairs being beaten by Rocky and I literally rolled over and went back to sleep. That's how normal it was to me. That is like, it was just programmed. It was just like, I thought that was love. There is some exhilarating times. Being with a crook, I mean, when they're like an armed robber. Exactly. Or uh, whatever they are. I mean, this this is thrilling and dangerous yep. moments. Yes. In the times when the Jika Jika pub in um, Fitzroy was the place to be, you can be sitting in there and, you know, someone might walk in with a bag of diamonds. Someone might come in with a truck full of Nike runners, the finest handbags, just done a, a leather goods shop, you know, and you, you get to have all this for not much. And when you live that life, you don't understand that, oh, I can work a job and have three meals a day and own a house. I thought commission was the way you lived until the age of probably 30 or something. And they, they were exciting times when you're young and impressionable. Um, you know, you just, you take what these men give you, as in... Well, that's right. I mean, you walk into a crowded pub full of crooks with a top crook yep. and everyone looks around... They look at you and you feel a bit special, right? Yes, yes, definitely. And before I was with John, I hung out with Alphonse and Jason. Alphonse Gangitano and Jason Moran were Carlton gangsters of the 80s and 90s. You know, you walk into a nightclub and everyone just steps aside. You don't pay to get in, you don't pay for drinks. You go to the early openers, you start again the next day. This was pretty um, fascinating and exciting stuff. And I liked it. That's what I thought was the norm. That's what I thought life was all about. But then... When, you know, people get bumped off or they go to jail and they're the times when you have to sit back and you look and think, oh, OK, there is another way to live a life. Kelly has outlived most of her underworld peers. Alphonse Gangitano was murdered at age 40 in 1998, most probably by his friend Jason Moran, who was himself murdered at age 35 in 2003. Jason's older brother, Mark, Kelly's one-time protector was killed in 2000. He was also just 35. There's that old saying, never tell your wife what you're up to as a crook because one day she might tell the truth about oh, you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How much did you know about your partners? <sighs> so when you got that hanging over your head, you're not, you're not saying much, are you? You're keeping it all to yourself. 
how do you live? You live bloody hour to hour. You live day by day. You just don't know what's coming from one day to the next. And I think I was on flight mode till I was about 50 years of age, like literally. Um, You know, I used to have a fear of being cold because if I was cold, I need my energy to get warm. I can't use energy to get warm. I need to see what's going on around me. You know, I need to be alert. 24-7 24-7 because of the, the coppers coming to do a run-through, you know, is he doing the wrong thing again? And that was, you know, that was all my life. That was with Dennis and Sissy. You know, many a times he'd come and break the door down looking for her when I was yeah. young, like teenagers Paint still. Paint the picture, Stevenson yep. Street, Cremorne, yep. the drug house. Goodness me. The brothel next door. Yeah. The houses up the street, Victor, Wendy, Possibly of kids. Yeah. What was it like walking into Stevenson Street when, when Sissy was married to Dennis? Wow. Okay. Terrifying some days, some days exciting. Um, I was with when she got with Dennis and one day Sissy and I had to stop him from going out and putting in the boot because he was bashing me. But yet what he used to do to Sissy, he would literally say, she's my wife, so I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to beat her. I'm allowed to chain her to a washing machine. I'm allowed to um, do basically whatever he wanted to her. You know, she was a, a heroin addict. He was one of the biggest heroin dealers in Australian history. You know, you've got to weigh that up. And it was such a thoroughly corrupted world he lived in. Yes. Not only selling the drugs, the misery to kids, but corrupting police. Yes. You know, trying to blow up courts. Yeah. Uh, everything. When I look back now, I can see how wrong and warped and corrupt that is. But growing up in that world, it was just okay. You know, there was one day when mum had to go and get Lindy from his house because that's when he killed the bikey. Yeah, blood everywhere, blood all over the carpet. The walls had to be painted. Anton Kenny. Yes. In 1985, Dennis Allen killed an ex-Hells Angel, Anton Kenny, and dismembered the corpse with a chainsaw inside his own house. And... Sawn him up. Yes. The carpet had to be ripped up. And we knew that's what he'd done. So when you ask me about talking to police. Can you imagine how I was taught not to? You know, they're the enemy, although my dad was a copper. Though Dennis himself was informing on other crooks, there was never a moment where Kelly considered giving him up to the police or telling tales on any other crook either. You believe they were the enemy? Yeah. And there was your father, the policeman who'd left you. Yes. Did you need any more proof than that? No. Yeah, exactly. So he was a baddie too in my eyes for a long time. How long was Sissy and Dennis married for? About eight years and she committed suicide in Pentridge by hanging herself. Where she'd met Dennis? Where she'd met and married Dennis, where I married John. Why did she do that, do you know? Oh, goodness me. If I felt as low as I did and so worthless and useless and hopeless, can you imagine the self-worth or the lack of self-worth she had? I think Sissy did tell Mum and I for a long time that if she goes back to jail again, she will kill herself. 
I think about out of about 30 people that they were growing up with in the 80s, there's about four of them left that haven't died from heroin. Mm. Yeah. And your other two sisters? Yep, my other two sisters. What happened to them? So Tammy met a man, a lovely man, um, had two children in 13 months and tried to get clean. In the end, she was found dead in a car in a street in Carlton of an overdose. Next sister was, um, here's rehabilitation for you, out of Fairley Prison for 11 hours and found dead at the Footscray train station car park of a heroin overdose. She'd got a strong, 11 hours. A strong yeah. Hit. Yeah, they think they can have what they used to have before they went in. And it's quite sad now that I'm old enough to understand that, you know, they weren't just junkies, they were goddamn human beings and deserved to be treated like them, but just never had the chance. You know, the 28, 28 and 32 and they were dead. So, you know, there was times there when Sissy had a broken arm and I had to put the tourniquet around her arm so that she could have a hit. My sister Tammy used to beat me really, really badly because what was going on in her life, you know, she she tried to drown me and put me in a dryer and turned it on, but that was about eight years separate, so she certainly wasn't trying to dry me out after she tried to drown me. I don't know, I think I've got a warped sense of humour, as you'd probably have to be being what survivor, I've been through. Survivor yeah. sense of humour, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah good point. In the mid-80s, Kelly had met the man she would marry, a crook named John David Marshall. He would turn out to be the most dangerous man in her life. And I have scars from head to toe. I don't know what happened. Something hit and then I turned around and I run, but had a beautiful white dress on that was red. This has been a Real Crime production. Written and produced by Adam Shand. Executive producer, Grant Tothill. Mixing, editing and theme music by Matt Nikolic. Associate producer, Matt Dwyer. Additional editing by Kelly Falston. Research by Nolly Way Shand. Digital producers, Jack Shand and Oscar Gordon. Listener.